You're tuned in to the Benton County Public Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Benton County Government. At your service every day. Benton County is a great place to live and work. For more information about Benton County and a career with Benton County, visit co.benton.or.us or Google Benton County Jobs. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Benton County Public Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into topics the community cares about. I'm Dan Crawl. Benton County strives to be transparent and welcomes your feedback. The community can always feel free to reach out to pioinfo at bentoncountyor.gov with questions and feedback. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the restoration efforts of the Jackson Fraser wetland on the northern edge of Corvallis. My name is Dan Crawl. I am the host of Benton County Public Podcast, and today we are at the Jackson Fraser wetland on site. We're joined by Adam Stebbins, who is the Natural Resources Coordinator for Benton County, as well as Jesse Ott. Jesse is the Deputy Director of Natural Areas, Parks, and Events also known as NAPE, the acronym N-A-P-E. We're here on a beautiful day. This was recorded on the 3rd of May, 2023, after an especially wet winter. We look around and we see greenery, and we see areas of water filled in that is not usually this filled in. It looks much different than usual. Adam was noting that on our walk-in, and... What do you think as you look around and, and see the state of the Jackson Fraser wetland today? I think it's the culmination of almost 30 years of efforts from multiple partners at the federal, state, and local level. And it's great to see, and we're very happy that the public's able to enjoy this. You had noted that it is usually not this green, and there's usually not this uh, much diversity of plant life, as well as this much water in the wetland itself. Correct. So this winter, we are at about 200% of average across the valley into the Cascades in a lot of areas. And due to the location of Jackson Fraser wetland, it's a perfect sponge for all of the runoff from Crescent Valley all the way into northern Corvallis. As the city has grown, the importance of preserving and restoring and maintaining Jackson Fraser wetland is critical. And from what I understand, not just the Willamette Valley, but a number of areas of the Pacific Northwest were over the amount of needed rainfall this year. Correct. And historically, we have had years with this much uh, precipitation and this much surface water it just hasn't happened in quite a long time over five years uh, since we've seen this type of uh, wetland water levels out here well, we are going to 
discuss a number of things surrounding the Jackson Fraser wetland where we are, as well as efforts of the department and the partnerships that have made the long-term restoration of this spot a possibility. And I think a good question to really start things off with is, what is wetland restoration? Well, like most things in life, it depends on who you ask. However, general consensus is around bringing the land, bringing the hydrology, bringing the species back that were once here prior to settlement by Europeans. So before the valley was developed for farmland, forestry, all of the homes, we had a significant amount of wetlands throughout the Willamette Valley. So the remaining ones, such as at Jackson Fraser Wetland, it's critical that we maintain and enhance and, and bring these back to a condition similar to what we could have found in the 1800s. Back in the 1800s, um, how would you compare Jackson Fraser Wetland specifically to what it is today? It would be it would have been much bigger just like all of the wetlands in the valley. Uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service estimate, estimates uh, are around 1% of wetland prairie, which is what a majority of this site is. Seasonal wetland uh, prairies have been uh, lost to the tune of about 99% in the valley. So the jackson Fraser is a huge uh, conservation priority within the valley system for wetland functions such as flood control, water quality enhancement, habitat for threatened and endangered species, all of the aesthetics and value that's provided by all of the recreators out here. And the Jackson Fraser wetland is currently 150 acres and you're saying it's about one percent of what it used to be? Throughout the entire valley we've lost 99 percent of wetlands. Jackson Fraser itself is just a small part of that 1% that's remaining. Gotcha. Like myself, I live in southeast Corvallis, which was a wetland at one time. Correct. I mean, prior to the Willamette River being controlled, prior to all of the development and all the agriculture and forestry, we had a huge swath of wetlands throughout the valley. And due to factors such as development population growth, farming, other practices, that has changed. Correct. And we've also learned over the years the importance of wetlands. So wetlands are like the kidneys of the landscape. All of the water is able to slow down as it's being funneled through stormwater pipes and culverts and stream channels. It's able to spread out, slow down, and infiltrate into these 150 acres of diverse wetland habitat and then again discharge to the urban stream down into the city stormwater system before going back to the Willamette. These these wetland functions and values are more important than ever to society and especially to a society that values sustainability. And I, I sometimes wonder as much of this town that used to be on a wetland was developed. Was this kind of knowledge at play or just a little bit or? 
Well, it depends on when you started realizing the role that wetlands play. Uh, back in the day, they were the wet spot, the problem spot, the spot that you wanted to get drained to make it usable ground. And we've learned that can cause a lot of issues, especially over time. The goal during especially post-World War II era was to uh, complete reclamation. I mean, we had an entire federal department along with U.S. Army Corps, U.S. Bureau of Reclamation that was focused on creating water infrastructure, uh, draining uh, wetlands, creating levees, channels to uh, create more usable ground for development, agriculture primarily. So, yeah, I mean, this isn't just something that happened in Oregon. Of course. And would you say that with the current knowledge that places where a, a wetland exists, that there is more of an understanding how vital they are to the nearby area? Absolutely, especially since, you know, the environmental movement of the 70s and then gaining steam in, in locally through the land use planning laws, the protections in place at the state and federal level for wetlands, it's really a night and day difference compared to when all of the reclamation projects were going on. And we as a society understand the value of wetlands more so than ever. Well, I think that part of the conversation could really tie us to our next topic on the program, which is the history of what happened at Jackson Fraser Wetland and what began the restoration efforts. Back in 1985, I understand that this land was starting to be developed. And we are joined by Jesse Ott, who is the Deputy Director of Natural Areas, Parks, and Events with Benton County. What can you tell us about what happened in 1985? Well, I think uh, starting in around 85 was the culmination of um, real a, a change in kind of the environmental movement and uh, that came out of the 70s. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of the local uh, uh, community leaders uh, that were looking to conserve uh, land started looking at this site as a real potential uh, spot to save. It was spearheaded by a real local grassroots effort. Um, and uh, so even outside of the county, uh, just private citizens gathered together to uh, start advocating and talking about what could be and envisioning uh, this site that, uh, you know, had been used for agriculture and uh, then was starting to transition into a potential development. Um, the landowners were trying to... Uh, dry up the ground a little bit to make it uh, more functional for uh, land uh, home development and but the community saw that this was a natural you know water collecting area and uh, you know even when you look across highway 99 you can see the contour you know of the land here and you can see that it everything drains into this jackson fraser wetland and they saw the potential and uh, they wanted to save it what else would you foresee being a problem with without this wetland you know, we would lose the biodiversity first and foremost. We would lose the, you know, we would lose a lot of the benefits that we get from wetland waterways. For me, probably the biggest loss is just the community connection that we have in this place. Uh, you know, Jackson Fraser Wetland is, 
just a very special place. We got people from all ages that come out here um, all throughout the year. It, it's really um, a spot to, you know, enjoy the changing seasons. Um, and uh, it's really one of a kind. Demasiado importante porque es un área de mucha relajación en esta zona. Es muy importante, claro que sí. This place is very important because it's an area that gives you relaxation. Of course, it's very important. I love coming here with my family, my kids, and my husband during the warmer season. Sometimes in our little park, it's a little hard being able to walk on the boardwalk planks that are unbalanced. I come out here to photograph the wildflowers, and I'm in to see what you can see, you know. Birds, animals, and things are in a wetland that you don't see on top of Bald Hill, for example. <laughs> I used to bring my grandkids out here and um, let some of them learn how to photograph things. It's just a, a good place. You meet a lot of people out here, and everybody seems to enjoy it. They also like to enjoy nature, listen to the music of the little birds, and the bunnies. Exactly. We are joined by Jesse Ott, who is the Deputy Director of Natural Areas, Parks, and Events with Benton County. Okay, so you had mentioned that uh, in 1985, the development was moving forward. There had actually been some advancements on all this very land. So who is responsible? Was it a citizens group that really spearheaded this? or It was a citizens group that came to the Benton County Board of Commissioners, uh, and uh, they had a request. You know, They knew that this was a place that needed to be saved, and uh, the county commissioners commissioned a uh, work group, a committee, uh, to explore a management plan of this site and to see what the county could do with it uh, if it were to acquire it. And so um, in 1992, uh, they produced uh, that report uh, for the Board of Commissioners. And at that time, uh, the Benton County Board of Commissioners um, decided to uh, purchase the land and adopt it as a, a county park. And I understand that there was a restoration effort that started in 2017 and was finalized in 2022. What can you say about that? You know, that was just, uh, it, it's really a story of partnerships. I think this this wetland, uh, you know, across the board, its past, its present, and its future is, is really based on partnerships. Um, you know, that, that wetland restoration could have never happened without the support of the Benton County Board of Commissioners, the uh, Oregon Watershed Enhancement Board, uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife uh, in of Oregon, and U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife. Um, they all came together uh, with this shared vision that we could restore this place to, um, you know, what it used to be and uh, make a real special recreation opportunity, a really rare opportunity to get yourself into a functioning wetland and so um, you know all those groups came together along with uh, you know some very uh, dedicated community members and uh, that's how we made it happen. And Adam you have coordinated a number of folks from the community to help this effort along. What kinds of restoration efforts can you speak about? So the long-term restoration work that we completed uh, from 2017 to 2022 involved all the partners that Jesse was talking about in addition to 
the uh, city of Corvallis who allowed us to place some of the soil uh, from removing the berm that was pushed up by the prior landowner and placing it for sustainable use of farming on, on the adjacent property. So that was a huge partner too. And within that 50 acre restoration area, which is the wetland prairie area, we completed disking to smooth out the ruts, remove the berm uh, with the support from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Now, what is disking? Just a classic farm tractor with a bunch of discs on the back to break up the soil. We did a lot of mowing to bring the biomass down of all of the invasive vegetation and shrubby vegetation that had developed over time. And U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service brought out what's called their scrapers, which are very big, heavy equipment setups that can dig massive amounts of soil to create multiple pools, four new pools, and uh, remove the berm that was placed there back in the day. So we've seen a major increase in usage of all of the area and major success on bringing it back to a native vegetation and native hydrology. So among the invasives that you had to get rid of, um, I imagine there were plenty of plants, but were there any invasive animal species here? There's always some invasive animals like uh, Nutria, for example. However, they're not problematic for a project like this compared to what we were dealing with with reed canary grass, rose, and then encroachment from the adjacent forest just due to lack of uh, restoration actions over the last 20 plus years. What about everyone's favorite around here, Himalayan blackberry? Was there a lot of that to take care of? Surprisingly, no. Not at this site. I think it's just uh, a little too wet or we were just lucky. You got lucky. <laughs> what are some of the other invasive plants that were here? You know, reed canary grass was the biggest problem. Uh, I'm having a hard time. What does that look like? looks like a very tall, perennial growing grass and it when it first uh has seed heads it can kind of be a little uh you know reddish purplish purplish uh seed heads so and then it turns uh, as it dies back uh and what's left of the seed head it's very bright tannish color it's it's on every wetland and uh, river site more or less throughout the valley We've got such a such beautiful sound this time of year, not to mention such beautiful colors here at the Jackson Fraser wetland. If it weren't for the removal of things like canary grass, a lot of these beautiful wildflowers and such that we're seeing uh, in some of these areas with, that are kind of marshy, I mean, were these just taken over by canary grass? Some areas were wall-to-wall invasive grass, yeah, so... As we've opened it up and restored the hydrology and planted and seeded thousands of, of pounds of native vegetation, it's completely shifted the habitat quality for the better. Can you talk about the ecological importance of wetlands? The list is long enough to probably wrap around the entire wetland. Biggest categories, though, again, are water quality enhancement, 
flood control, slowing down the, the velocity of runoff from all of the surrounding development and treating it here on site, and then habitat. So explosion of diversity that's happened out here, major increase in migratory bird, especially waterfowl population. It's, you know, been an 80% increase we've documented pre and post restoration. It's pretty impressive. It's not rocket science, that's for sure. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's just, you know, like most things, how much time and money do you have to get it done? Do you think without the restoration efforts that it, it would even look like this or? No it, chance. No, no chance. We, we, uh, value these types of high quality habitat and for what is relatively a small amount of money, we can sure do our part to help the habitat along. One of the projects that is going to require some money is the replacement of the current boardwalk that is currently here at, that we are standing on as we record this podcast. This is episode two of the Benton County Public Podcast. My name is Dan Crawl. I'm the host of this program, and I am joined today by Adam Stebbins, who is the Natural Resources Coordinator for Benton County, and Jesse Ott, who is the Deputy Director of Natural Areas, Parks, and Events, also known as NAPE, N-A-P-E, Natural Areas, Parks, and Events. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to discuss the plans for restoring the current wooden boardwalk that is here at the jackson Fraser Wetland. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. You're tuned in to the Benton County Public Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Benton County Government, at your service every day. Benton County is a great place to live and work. For more information about Benton County and a career with Benton County, visit co.benton.or.us or Google Benton County Jobs. We are here on May 3rd of 2023 recording Episode 2 of the Benton County Public Podcast, and I'm joined by Adam Stebbins, who is the Natural Resources Coordinator for Benton County. Also, Jesse Ott, who is the Deputy Director of Natural Areas, Parks, and Events for Benton County. And on this next segment of the program, we're going to discuss plans for restoring the current wooden boardwalk. Jesse, how would you describe the current state of the wooden boardwalk that goes through the Jackson Fraser wetland for foot traffic? You know, I would say that we love we love our boardwalk, but it has outlived its useful life. Uh, you know, it's um, it's uh, it's aged. This site was actually the boardwalk was built by volunteers uh, about twenty five years ago, as about when they finished, and. Um, um, you know, it's it's in disrepair. the The way the boardwalk functions is it was meant to float, um, and uh, so parts of the boardwalk where it did float, it twists, it freezes, it turns, and over time, it's it's really started to degrade. Why don't we take a walk here on the boardwalk? Uh, I noticed as we were walking in, there are certain parts where it does just feel a, a little bit weak. Uh, I'm going to get the sound of Adam's footfalls. Walking along the current boardwalk, 
I wouldn't say it's quite a safety hazard, but it is it is certainly moving to a place where it is just it's time to replace it. it luckily, it's not rickety enough that our feet are cracking through. But what is the actual plan then for replacing it right now? Well, so we obtained a um, state uh, local government grant uh, from Oregon uh, Parks and Recreation um, to start the process of um, getting a replacement in here. You know, the county maintenance staff uh, spends thousands every year coming out, replacing new boards and, um, you know, trying to uh, alleviate trip hazards and put the foundations back and um, you know, it's it's time. We have to start envisioning for the future. You know, one of the things about this site that we find most special is that it is a real ecological gem and a recreation gem for um, people of all accessibility levels. Um, and so this site has long been used by folks that want to come out and kind of get lost and enjoy nature and just really, um, you know, have some quiet peace and solitude, some time to bird watch, uh, just to listen and recharge, uh, get some exercise, all of that. And, you know, we really, uh, take a lot of pride that, uh, you know, um, someone from, uh, two years old on to, um, you know, some of our seniors can traverse this boardwalk, um, you know, easily. And so that's one of our biggest concerns. The more this thing, starts to twist and fall apart it becomes less and less accessible and accessibility is really uh, one of the primary uh, goals we have for uh, replacing the boardwalk so with that grant uh, we hope to start the process to get designs and uh, eventually get to a point where we can fund a uh, full boardwalk uh, replacement uh, with modern materials that are accessible for uh, many years to come, you know, we're hoping that, uh, you know, the next boardwalk will last for uh, over 50 years uh, minimum. Would it also be wood? We're looking into a lot of different options. So wood is, uh, you know, definitely one of the best boardwalk materials. And um, we've got a lot of information from the Oregon um, School uh Oregon State School of Forestry, uh, they've been doing research out here for the entire lifespan of this uh, boardwalk on um, treated timber in a wetland and, and how it reacts and uh, how long it can last. And so we're looking at a lot of different options, but it probably would be wood. Um, some of the other options are a little cost prohibitive. What about like a material that incorporates wood and recycled materials like recycled milk cartons, for instance? Yeah. We would definitely consider that. You know, we in this process, we start looking and, and talking to, um, you know, sustainability experts in the county and in the community and, uh, you know, really using our connections with, uh, you know, Oregon State University and uh, other partners we have in this project. Um, to really figure out what's going to be the very best, uh, longest-lasting, and most accessible boardwalk we can get. Would the new boardwalk follow the current path of the the existing boardwalk? You know, that is something that we would really try to keep. I think people really love the um, the path here. It's kind of unique. There's a, there's a lot of spots that are uh, kind of one-of-a-kind for this type of boardwalk, and so... Um, you know, as much as possible, we'd like to maintain that uh, same footage, square footage and uh, footprint if we can, um, and may make adjustments based on, you know, what could be best for the ecology of the site and the feasibility of it all. But maybe um, a little wider, 
Wider, yes. Yeah, wider and more accessible is definitely uh, something that we want to make sure that uh, people can use. You know, I'll come out here on a average weekday, and it's pretty amazing. I'll see groups of people walking and chatting with walkers, um, you know, and then uh, a few minutes later, somebody will be traversing, uh, you know, in their wheelchair. And this is one of the sites in uh, Benton County where... Um, really, no matter what your mobility level is, you can come out and really enjoy the spot. That is very true. And, I mean, as you can hear in the background, you can really just get very close to nature. Where we're currently standing is um, at the edge of a waterway. I should ask Adam, specifically, what kind of waterway is this? It's a emergent polystyrene wetland technically <laughs> basically it's seasonally draining and wet with a very shallow channel it almost looks like there's a, a bit of a pond in the distance around the corner there yeah I get some ponding as the channels fill up as we have the runoff and then as we get into the drier season it fully dries out in in this area the center of the boardwalk loop. And this natural feature, of course, is just one of hundreds of beautiful views along this pathway. Mm-hmm. One thing to consider is, as needed as this boardwalk replacement is, it is certainly going to cost money. So what are some ways that the money will be established to make this replacement happen? Well, we've gotten some generous support from the Board of Commissioners. So we, you know, we've recently, uh, Oregon State uh, Parks uh, awarded Benton County a uh, local government grant. And so that grant uh, is kind of the first step for us to uh, make a replacement happen. And so we partnered with... Oregon State Parks and the Alliance for Recreation and Natural Areas. They go by Afrana, and um, that's a group of um, um, local uh, community leaders that uh, you know help support all kinds of different projects, but really stay focused on natural areas and parks. And um, you know they do a lot of great work. Actually, that. Um, that group has some members that were involved in the initial establishment of the site uh, back in the early 90s. And uh, so it's great to have them aboard as a uh, nonprofit uh, partner in this. And, um, you know, so we're all working hard to, um, you know, figure out ways to fund it. We're with that grant. We do a lot of the in-kind work uh, that helps pay for it. And, uh Afrana had a sizable uh, donation from the uh, uh, Liz and Bob Frankel family, um, who the boardwalk is named after, um, to uh, you know help secure this boardwalk for future generations. So I, that was a big, um, it was really important to that family, and um, and so um, we took all those funds and and funneled that into a grant and. Uh, so I, we know there'll be more to come. Uh, we haven't fully funded everything yet, but at this stage in the game, we're we're refining options for what the boardwalk could look like, and uh, you know we'll be uh, securing more grants, uh, potentially some public outreach funding, and uh, you know we're going to make this happen. I, and the goal here is to uh, um, you know get a boardwalk where we don't have to talk about replacement for another uh, fifty years or more. So if listeners of the Benton County Public Podcast wanted to 
financially contribute to this project, is there a foundation that they can look up online or maybe contact the county? So I, I would say the very best uh, way to go about that is to go to Afrana. Dot .org it's the Alliance for Recreation and Natural Areas A F R A N A .org that is an acronym for the Alliance for Recreation and Natural Areas. And uh, Frana's had a uh, fund to help support restoration and uh, boardwalk efforts here for years. And so uh, they have a donation link on their website if anybody's interested in supporting. That's great. I remember I used to live here in the northeast part of town. And I would come out here and it seems I used to see you know information kiosks, but I haven't noticed a lot on today's walk. Uh, Adam, are there plans to get more information kiosks, maybe, uh, you know, info on the wetland or the various bird species? Well, we don't need to get them. We just need to install them. And right now... Oh, you have them already. We have them, and they're new and shiny, and talk about all of the five years of restoration work and all of the important things that we've discussed today. However, we've seen a real increase in vandalism, and... We are waiting to install any new signage until we can address the boardwalk construction, which will include opening up sight lines for making sure that people that are, you know, patrolling the area, you know, users can see what's going on in the area instead of having some of the secluded vandalism issues that we've really experienced quite heavily within the last three years. It's just a lot of spray paint and breaking things, you know, just the usual, but... Uh, we're not even good spray paint half the time. <laughs> I've seen a lot of these people tagging their names around town. It's like, cut it out. Get a good font or, or, or don't get a good font. Just cut it out. Yeah, and I think, you know, it'll pair nicely with uh, the boardwalk construction and to open it open this up a little bit more for people to not feel like they can just come back here and cause problems that affect all of us that are appreciating and using the site. I feel like a good rule of thumb, don't mess up a public space, don't endanger the public. I think you're pretty good with, with those, those two starting points. I agree. It is sad when people do mess up a public space. Uh, or even a, a natural area like this. I mean, I've often thought when I've gone out to natural areas and seen vandalism, how could someone look at such a beautiful place and still treat it with disrespect? It really does behoove all of us to just look out for our spaces. You know, I have not personally been to the Jackson Fraser wetland in a long time. I really appreciate being able to come out here and use this existing boardwalk. It's very beautiful. Yeah, it is. And, you know, this site, so we're getting near the end of the school year. And I think one of my favorite uh, parts about this site is uh, Cheldelin Middle School. So it's a local middle school that's really nearby. And um, they've really adopted this as their living laboratory. It's it, Their teachers have been amazing over there, that, that whole group, um, you know. And they've come out here to do seed collection, planting, uh, educational groups, and uh, we find that partnership so special, uh, you know, with the Corvallis School District because, um, you know, we'd love to instill that, uh, you know, this is kind of the, 
the home wetland for uh, Cheldon Middle School and those students, and they get a you know their first taste of uh, natural resource restoration and uh, recreation and. Um, you know, they really get to come out here and learn with our staff and in partnership with uh, their teachers. So that that's a very special relationship. I, it, a couple weeks ago, we've seen, uh, you know, planting uh, parties and, um, you know, it's just it's really special to watch those students out here. projects in Benton County. We do everything based on uh, the 2040 vision, which really centers around equity and health. And that's what this site is all about. You know, we see this as, um, uh, you know, the health of our community, Uh, not only the natural resources and the water and the species, but the people, people to get out and have a place to commune. And, um, you know, so we look at this as um, we use that 2040 framework that kind of sets everything up. And so, uh, this project hits pretty much all of those values. You know, we want equity for everyone. We want health in all actions. Um, you know, we want uh, high quality environment and access. And uh, that's kind of what makes this site uh, unique. Is uh, you know, it's 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 highly accessible, and especially with a new boardwalk. Um, you know, there that's that's really what we're after. This. This site is uh, connected in with a larger project that we call the Owens Farm Partnership. And so that is a uh, collaboration with um, uh, Benton County Natural Areas Parks and Events, uh, City of Corvallis Parks and Rec, the Greenbelt Land Trust, and Samaritan Hospital. And, uh, you know, so I think one of the things that we're really proud of here in Benton County is uh, partnerships. Um, You know, we really work hard to work with a lot of other groups to uh, ensure trail uh, connectivity. Um, And, you know, we try not to we try to break down borders. Um, You know, we have borders of land management and uh, we try to work past that to find ways to, uh, you know, connect these places so that, you know, folks can really. Um, you know, have these really high quality kind of recreation experiences that require partnerships between different groups. And, uh, and so the Jackson Fraser wetland is part of that. We're kind of the, uh, Eastern edge of that project. And so, um, you know, we have a long-term vision of, you know, being able to start at Jackson Fraser wetland and, uh, enjoy, uh, the boardwalk and the wetland. And then, if you feel uh, up for it, uh, potentially make your way over to uh, Highway 99, where we envision a potential pedestrian crossing that could get you over to the uh, Owens Farm site, where uh, the city of Corvallis uh, has some historic structures and some trails planned. And so um, in the last several years, we've worked with the uh, uh, the Benton County Department of Health to really envision uh, interconnected trail system with equity and accessibility as the um, guiding principles. So, you know, Jackson Fraser Wetland is a is a big part of that project. And really, when you take that kind of stuff into account, it really just makes for a better overall quality of life of the local population. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, this site is so special. You can go for a walk here, and uh, some little kids will be running through here, having a great time. Um, you know, seniors walking together, having conversations. You might hear multiple languages. Um, you know, we've got people from all walks of life that come out here. And, um, you know, I, I always recommended to uh, visitors to town because I think that there's not a lot of boardwalks quite like this out there. And, uh um, you know, it's a real special place, really unique. Uh, you know, if you ever have a visitor come to town, I'd, I'd recommend uh, having them check out Jackson Frazier because it's uh, it'll take you about I don't know 20 minutes or so to uh, walk the boardwalk at kind of a slow nature walk pace, and uh, you know you can get some exercise and just really refresh. I, I can't I can't speak enough to it. You know, if you're having a having a tough week and you just need to. Um, kind of bring your spirit back uh this is a perfect spot to come out for lunch and take a walk i would agree and throughout this episode we have been walking along this wooden boardwalk we've also stopped at some of the stops where you can sit down and enjoy a nice view we're currently walking by a, a dried up marsh to our right and on our left we've got all kinds of bushes and deciduous trees that are sprouting their leaves as the spring season takes off and we're coming up on an information kiosk next to a bench that overlooks some marshland and in the distance you can see the coast range hills off to the west this is indeed an area that i have enjoyed uh, not enough as i have become a Southtown resident back in 2007 but as I had mentioned earlier in the episode, I used to live in the northeast part of Corvallis and would come out here fairly regularly. You can hear an airplane in the distance. Got a, a big open view of the sky here. Yeah, it's beautiful. Understanding. And, and when you look over uh, at the uh, range over there, you know, that really shows why this wetland is here. Uh, you can see the natural valley that's created and the way the water would flow into this site. And so, you know, I think some of these uh, community members uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s that uh, had the uh, vision and, uh, and the dedication to keep after it and, uh, you know, make sure that uh, we saved this place. And, uh, yeah, we couldn't have picked a better day. Thanks for joining us for episode two of the Benton County Public Podcast, where we do our best to take a deeper dive into topics that the community cares about. Today, we have visited the Jackson Fraser Wetland, which has undergone an amazing restoration project. We have also discussed the 2040 vision, as well as partnerships of the community to create this restoration plan, which started in 2017 and finalized in 2022. We've also talked about why wetlands are important and the boardwalk restoration project. Working through this project to envision the future of this site, I, I look back to a quote that I keep near my desk uh, uh, by uh, you know local uh, leader and uh, OSU professor uh, Bob Frankel, 
Over time, my perception of this wonderful wet landscape has broadened and deepened. Here certainly is a beautiful place of wildness, a place to teach us about change and how ephemeral nature is, a place to get lost in, a changing fragment of the past, a living museum, a classroom and a laboratory, a peaceful place where one can take refuge from the hassles of everyday life and gain inspiration, a place close to the settled landscape where one can celebrate and wonder about the diversity of the natural world. And, uh, yeah, that's a quote by Bob Frankel from back in uh, the early 90s when they saved this place. So that, that keeps me going sometimes. Dan Crawl, you've been listening to episode two of the Benton County Public Podcast. I've been joined today by Adam Stebbins, who is the Natural Resources Coordinator for Benton County, and Jesse Ott, who is the Deputy Director of Natural Areas, Parks, and Events, also known as NAPE, for Benton County. I'd like to thank you both for your time. Thank you, Dan. It's been great. Thanks, Dan. And if people would like to learn more about these restoration efforts, is there a website they can visit? Yes, uh, just go to co.benton.or.us and look for natural areas, parks, and events, and uh, you'll be able to learn all about the uh, Jackson Fraser Wetland. You're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. On the next Benton County Public Podcast, we're going to discuss what volunteers, staff, and community members have to say about their local resource center for unhoused and housing insecure members of the Benton County community. Learn about the Corvallis Daytime Drop-In Center and the efforts they are making to help houseless and housing insecure in Benton County. I'm Dan Crawl, and you're listening to the Benton County Public Podcast. We'd love to hear more from you about topics you care about. The Benton County Public Podcast is looking for suggestions for future episodes. If you have any suggestions, please contact us, PIO info at bentoncountyor.gov.
We're listening to a recording of the Jackson Fraser Wetland, recorded around 2006 or 2007. This is from the Dan Crawl release, Recluse Abandon. The track is called Jackson Fraser Wetland. Thanks to all the voices on today's episode, which include Jesse Ott and Adam Stebbins. We also heard from Mariana Cruz and Phil Hayes from a Benton County video, which you can find on YouTube regarding the Jackson Fraser Wetland. Thanks also to our executive producer, Corey Grogan. Our theme music was written by Doug Sowers. I'm Dan Crawl, producer, host, and editor of the Benton County Public Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.